You are listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast, where your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. If you struggle with the legal side of your business and terms like trademarks, copyrights, intellectual property, DBA, LLC, contracts freak you out, and they make you maybe want to, you know, hide under your bed with a teddy bear. Keep listening. Today, we are talking to the incredible Rachel Brenke. Rachel is a lawyer, MBA, and business consultant and entrepreneur. She helps entrepreneurs succeed in their businesses by being efficient, strategic, and legally protecting themselves. Her legal focus is on small business law, including contracts, business formation, and intellectual property, such as copyright and trademarks. And as an entrepreneur herself with multiple successful brands under her, she wants to help others by spreading her philosophy of life over business. Now, this conversation is a freaking goldmine of information. I told Rachel after the show that it has literally taken me years and thousands of dollars and a lot of mistakes to learn what she dropped in today's episode for free. So we pulled our Facebook podcast group. Um, for example, you, if you're not already in there, you should pop in uh, to see what questions you wanted Rachel to answer. And she dove deep, my friend, on each one. We talk about contracts and why and how to set those up. You know, if you should have different contracts for different projects, if they are state specific and so much more. We talked about intellectual property and copyrights and trademarks and boy, it is good. We talked about business formation and registering your business, changing your business name, DBAs, which by the way means doing business as, LLCs and all of that jazz. Now, if you are an entrepreneur and not a lawyer like me, most of us, (laughs) this episode is freaking fire. It's freaking free. It is solid goldmine of information. And Rachel is such a joy. We are so excited for you to learn from her today. Also, just to reiterate, if you want to have input on future episodes and submit questions for our guests and all of that jazz, the place to be is our Facebook group. That's where we pull our audience for future episode topics, questions for certain guests like Rachel and so much more. So the link to join our Facebook group is in the show notes if you want to pop over to that party. Now, let's go ahead and get started with Rachel Branke. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Rachel, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you on. We are just amazed and amazed to talk to you today. And we're just thankful that you have made time for us and we can't wait to get started. So welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I love to talk and I love to teach and I love to help people protect their business, set up podcasts, anything and everything so they can have a little piece of their own part of the world in entrepreneurship. So I'm excited. 
This is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, we're excited. Okay, so the first question, just for anyone that doesn't or out there that doesn't know you or doesn't know what you're about, please introduce yourself. Tell us your story and a little bit about yourself. Oh my gosh. Well, I'll have to get the highlights because I feel like I am the typical entrepreneur. I'm passionate and I do a lot of things, but my name is Rachel Branke. I am a mother of five. I am also the mother of many brands. I have been an entrepreneur for over a decade. I started in fitness and online apparel. I don't even know how that happened, but it's far <laughs> from there. I realized that there was a need at the time because we were in the world of lack of freemium information, not like now, right? Before you couldn't find how to like set up a business and do all of that. So the short story is that I realized there was a need for that information. And I started developing uh, blog posts and social media posts to help myself and others and just sharing what I was researching and learning and growing to do my own business. And it's kind of just spiraled from there. And I ended up going to law school to add on to my arsenal of tools to help entrepreneurs. I have multiple mm -hmm. online legal brands. I have one very specific to uh, photographers, one for fitness entrepreneurs. I My regular Rachel Ranky website is general entrepreneurship. And that's also where my podcast sits. And yeah, I just love all the things business. And I also own a law firm. I'm an intellectual property and contracts attorney as well. Wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I have so many questions based off of like your story. And I had no idea you started with like fitness and, and what else did you say? Fashion? Yeah, it was like an online apparel print on demand store. It was really weird. No, <laughs> Day. So like my business page had like the auto playing music and the color coded glitter. Oh God, it's so bad. I want to go find my page and look at it, but we start somewhere, you know? Yes. Yeah. Everyone, Everyone always somewhere. starts somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we are so excited to talk to you today. You know so much and have just such a knowledge and expertise in all things entrepreneurship and especially entrepreneurship and legalities. And so mm -hmm. we know when it comes to like legal things and everything, especially as entrepreneurs or startups or new business owners, it can be so overwhelming to approach mm -hmm. the legal side of things. And our listeners have a ton of questions. So we actually went and asked them questions from our podcast Facebook group that they wanted to have answered. So something that came up over and over again is the topic of contracts. So we'd love to chat with you just a little bit about the importance of those and how to go about setting them up. Do you need, you know, different contracts for different projects? Do you need different contracts for different states? Do you need like basically just lay down everything that we should know about contracts? If you could see me, my face is like smiling so big. <laughs> I love contracts. And just before we dig into kind of like the legal stuff, I want to set the stage in that if you, with my story, you see, I started as an entrepreneur before I became an attorney. And so I was a mm -hmm. mother also before I became an attorney. And when I share this information, I'm not sitting in like my ivory legal tower going, you must have contracts because of this. Like <laughs> I really am taking real world experience from myself being in the trenches, from what you guys go through. Also working with my clients, also identifying that, you know what? I love business so much, but I also love life more. And so my recommendations and everything, when I make a choice in business, and this includes contracts, and this is, you'll see in a minute why contracts like are so exciting for me. And I hope it changes your perspective on them in general, but 
every action that I take in business, I want there to be a benefit for me. I want there to be preventing issues, right? Because I would rather on the front end prevent issues rather than having to play clean up an aisle four later on. Yeah. And you know, as an attorney, I tell you what, you come to my firm, we're going to become friends. It's just the way it is. And that's wonderful. But I'm sure you would rather us be hanging out, having a cup of coffee and protecting your business as opposed to you having to pay me to clean up a mess that you left. And I feel like contracts are like the key corner piece of helping to protect you guys from liability, have to not deal with lawyers, hopefully, and keep resources, time, money, and energy into your business as opposed into my pockets. Because in the end, Mm -hmm. when there's issues, who's the only person that wins? The lawyers, right? (laughs) And we don't want that. So contracts for me, well, before I dig into contracts, kind of the way I always run through with my clients and even myself, I do this as a routine business audit. And I have a free business audit checklist on um, my podcast website as well. And I use this also with my legal clients. And I am looking for the gamut of things from protecting the brand, but also liability protection. And over the years, I've realized that there are three major things. It's kind of like my legal triad that every entrepreneur needs to have, no matter what industry that you're in. Liability insurance is one. Um, business formation, whether it's like an LLC or an S-Corp. And this is obviously, if you guys hear me, I sound... Um, I talk very fast, by the way, so I apologize for that. But <laughs> you're this, fine. This is United States law. So if you're in another country listening, you might have a different form of business entity that can limit liability. But the third piece of that is contracts. And I want you guys to kind of visualize these three things as hurdles between you and a potential issue. We want to insulate ourselves from liability as much as possible. And that's why I don't buy into this whole idea of, I want a legal clad or an ironclad contract, it doesn't exist. Your insurance doesn't cover everything. Your business formation is not going to fully protect you. I, I always visualize it, um, the movie Independence Day with Will Smith. You know, like when they're shooting the big alien ship and the blue force fields start like showing up. That's what I want you guys to visualize is contracts is one of these force fields to help insulate and protect your business. But it doesn't protect in the way that you necessarily think. You think, okay, it's because it has all this legalese and it's binding and it's just, it's so scary. Actually, I look at contracts in a variety of ways. One, it is going to create the legal relationship between you and the client. Two, it's going to provide communication and put you guys literally on the same page. Little lawyer (laughs) pun. We all use digital contracts now, but just roll with it, right? (laughs) We are on the same page then. You and I, you my client, and me as the service provider or the product seller are on the same page of who's going to pay, you know, the customer is going to pay what? You're going to provide what in response? You know, what happens if there's an issue? The obligations and responsibilities from either person, because here's the deal. The majority of legal issues that come into my inbox often arise out of what? Miscommunication or missed expectations. Mm-hmm. And I feel like contracts can help to eliminate these miscommunications. So yes, we've got that legal backbone for us, but they also work to provide this central meeting point where everyone can make sure you're literally on the same page and it'll prevent miscommunication. So If you're pushing back in your mind on me right now, you're listening, thinking, oh, I don't need contracts or I'm afraid it's going to scare people. 
don't look at it necessarily that way. Think of it as like an insurance policy in case there's a legal issue, yes, but also look at it as a way that you're communicating in one central point to your consumer, customer, client, whatever type of business that you're in, what they're going to receive and what they have to give you and how the relationship's going to go. And so for me, like that is the central point. But the third piece that I love about contracts, and I always equate these to movies. I'm a big movie buff, but I feel like contracts can work to be the no man for you. Let me explain that. The movie Liar, Liar with Jim Carrey. You know, he gets pulled over by the cop. He can't lie. So the cop's like, do you know why I pulled you over? And he wants to say no, but what does he do? Because he can't lie. He goes, yes. And I see entrepreneurs a lot of times, they want to tell clients or customers who are pushing beyond what was already agreed to, they want to say no, but they're scared to. We fall to this fear of um, negative publicity or rejection or not getting paid, a whole gamut of things. And I feel like a contract, this third piece of why contracts are important is that the contract can be the no man. The contract can be the bad guy for you while you're still the fun business owner. So those three together, I think are why I want to kind of reframe your minds and be open to having a contract and don't just look at a contract because I simply told you as a lawyer that you need to have one. Mm, I love everything that you just said. And I think I'm such a nerd on client communication and really having a very excellent client experience. I know me and Evie talk about that on other podcast episodes and just in our courses and in things like that in general. But I, I think relating that to a contract, because we always say like, hey, over communicate, set expectations from Mm -hmm. the get go, answer questions before they ask, like do all these really great things to make sure that communication is at the forefront so that miscommunications don't happen and expectations Mm -hmm. don't get met later on. And I think looking at a contract as just a part of that is so genius. And I honestly love your movie references. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm all full of movie quotes. And I always love when I slide them into a lesson or an Instagram and someone PMs are like, I know where that's from. (laughs) That's always fun. But you know, as an attorney, you know, I'm happy to take your stuff to court if you need to. I have the experience. I think I'm fairly good at it. But at the end of the day, like I said earlier, who's the only person that wins? The lawyer really honestly is the only person. And so I really strive in any situation, um, whether it's a services contract, a purchasing contract, or maybe you're like a photographer or a graphic designer and you have licenses for use of photographs or logos or something you've designed or even podcasters. You know, when you have guests come on and if you're outlining who owns what IP, intellectual property, sorry, um, who owns the audio to that and who gets to use it, how they can use it, all that is what contracts are about. And we want to be able to resolve any issues because, again, the only people that win are the lawyers if you end up in court. And so like a contract is one of the key things that we can look to, hopefully to prevent issues, but also to take put take down the fire a bit put some water on it so it doesn't become this whole big engulfing flame and i hope that is very visualistic in your mind because i've seen small businesses who have literally had to close their businesses they have gone up in flames because they financially can't afford to have a problem and there's so many like minor key things that can really try to help you but like i said contracts are not ironclad either not bulletproof you there's other things that have to work with it but it's definitely one of those main three and as you've seen there's multiple benefits to having one 
I love that. I think it's so good and important to realize something that really helped me kind of like love contracts and, and love using them in every single like I give contracts to every situation, every independent contractor. I don't care how like mm-hmm. small their job is for me. They're signing a contract with me. Um, I love them now. But I think part of what really helped me understand was that I'm not a mean, aggressive like mm-hmm. business owner mm-hmm. if I'm asking for a contract to be signed. I'm actually not only protecting myself, but I'm also protecting the people that I'm working with, my clients, my employees, whatever, or my contractors, because both of us are there mm-hmm. like covered mm-hmm. by that contract. And it's it's to make sure neither one of us steps out of line, neither one of us accidentally or on purpose, you know, takes advantage of the other person. And so I think that really helped me at least click over to, hey, me signing this contract with a client is making sure that they are covered and I'm covered. And I think that kind of helps me like take the pressure off. Like I'm not an evil person. If I'm like, (laughs) you must sign this contract. Like it's actually beneficial for everyone involved. So and I'm actually one of those people, even though I'm an attorney, like I said, I'm not in my ivory tower is that I also feel like contracts can be a customer service tool because once you have grounded to what you are legally required to do, um, either side of you, you can always go beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. You can't take away from them. So, you know, we're recording this during COVID and there's been a lot of situations, particularly with like wedding vendors, photographers, videographers, um, florists, and all those sort of stuff. Those have been a lot of the big clients that we've been having simply because weddings can't occur and they're trying to figure out what to do with their contracts. And so when they come in the door, my advice is let's start with what you legally are entitled to or legally what you have to do, then let's talk about what you want to do as a human being, right? Mm. You can offer customer service. Sure. Maybe they lost that non-refundable deposit that they paid towards their flowers. But guess what? While you're legally entitled to keep it, you can refund it or apply it to a later, you know, a later time if you want to. Mm -hmm. And so I think grounding it to know that you're not, I mean, you're not stuck. You know, you are the business owner and at the end of the day, you can put some humanity into your business. So as long, but the only way you can do that is if you understand your contracts and that, you know, this could be a whole nother episode. I'm talking about how to find a lawyer, you know, working with one, as you see, I'm a lot different than most. And, but you want to work with one that understands and will explain to you how to work the contract and also how you can put some, some humanity and customer service into your business. Totally. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Rachel, can you kind of break down a tiny bit of maybe specifically answer some questions that some of our students had or listeners had of, do you need different contracts for different projects and, or do you need different contracts for different states? Okay. So contracts are state specific. Um, There are very specific provisions and contracts that can be heavily regulated by state. One of the ones that is pretty common across all industries is like late payments. So if you have a staggering payment schedule and your client, we'll just use the term client here, hasn't paid um, their, that installment that they're supposed to pay. Well, that percentage or amount that you can apply as a late fee is very heavily regulated by state because it's almost a quote unquote debt recovery. Don't mistake that for falling under debt collections practices, but it is very heavily regulated. So yes, you're, that is one example that your contracts have to be very specific to state. And actually for a more timely example is force majeure clauses. We're seeing that a lot with the COVID pandemic and 
all that's going on, those are also very he heavily regulated by state. So yes, you need to have it very state specific. Now, to answer your question about should you have different contracts for different projects? Well, that kind of depends on the context. Are you working with one person on multiple projects? Are you working on different people on the same project? You know, you want to look at it and see what is the status of the person that I'm working with? Am I hiring a team member like an independent contractor to come on for multiple contracts or I'm sorry, for multiple projects? Well, you may be able to get away with one contract with an independent contractor and have it written so it covers multiple projects, you know? So it really depends on the situation you're in. But the most basic one is, let's say that you, you ladies and I are gonna work on a project together for podcasting, right? We're gonna create like a podcasting course. That would be one contract. And then let's say that we also wanted to do I don't know, a comedy podcast. Well, those aren't really the same type of project. So even though it's the same people on both sides, and that we probably are going to have different specifics about the services, what each other, you know, um, is obligated to do to one another. So in that situation, if the projects are not closely related, we're probably going to want to break them out, you know? So this is a long-winded way to say, yes, they're state specific. Yes, you probably need a different contract for every different project, but there are exceptions if you're working with the same like independent contractor on, on different projects. That makes so much sense. Yeah, this is so helpful. I had a baby question kind of off of that because I know a lot yeah. of people out there send or sell contract templates. So if it's state specific, do you recommend if somebody buys a contract template, even if it's from a lawyer that's selling it online, should they have a local state lawyer, like their own lawyer in their state, look it over? Or how would you recommend that? The answer is yes. And I'm actually one of those folks that has um, contract template forms available on my different sites. And the reason I say yes, you should have an attorney review it is because like we talked about, there's going to be very state specific things. And like for me, when I go to draft a contract template form, I can't, A, I'm not licensed in all 50 states and I don't want to be, but <laughs> I can't, <laughs> I can't contemplate all of the different state nuances. What I do with my contract template forms is I look at it from the standpoint of, okay, let's take my brand, The Law Talk, for example. Um, I am a photographer. I've been a photographer for a while, so I definitely know what photographers go through. I then am able to craft a template from a perspective that normal contracts attorneys are not able to uh, write it from because they've never been a business owner or they've never been a photographer, or they've never been both. And so they don't truly understand the, to get a full comprehensive document. And that's what I really encourage with my documents is I'm gonna be able to bring to light things that a, you know your state-specific attorney is not gonna think about, but then they're gonna be able to readily fine-tune what is in there to fit to your state. You know, and it kind of I have a whole um blog post or a broken down the numbers on this and the numbers of the savings will depend on where you live and the type of attorney that you hire. Um, but I have seen in a lot of cases that buying a contract template form online and taking it to a local attorney can be cheaper in the long run and result in a more comprehensive and more in-depth contract for the reasons I just stated. Uh, so just, yes, I mean, you can utilize contract template forms out there as they are, but I still always recommend having an attorney to kind of fine tune them for you for all the reasons I just said. Optimally, you're going to need to have an attorney no matter what touch it. 
Now, I work with many clients who come to me that don't have template forms. And you know what we end up doing? We end up sitting down and you as the client is still going to have to make like a checklist of what you want included. You're going to have to tell me your business workflow, what your services are, all of that sort of stuff. And oftentimes buying a contract template form can be a more expedient way for you to do that. So you're not having to spend all the time trying to figure it out and rehash it because I can ask these questions all day long. And if I'm in the same industry you and I've worked in the same industry before, great, we're able to flesh it out. But not many attorneys can do that because they just simply have not been business owners. Mm -hmm. I know that just answered a ton of people's questions. So that's so helpful. (laughs) Thank you. One thing I want to add on to that too is that I find, and I think my little snobby nose as an intellectual property attorney is coming out here a bit. So I, I find many small business attorneys don't have intellectual property experience. And so oftentimes I'm having to play cleanup on even good contracts attorneys drafting because they don't understand the nuances of intellectual property when it comes to trademark and copyrights. And this is especially important with any business because what do we have at the end of the day? Our business name, our marketing content, our videos, our posts, our, um, photographs, you name it. And I just, so I strongly encourage out of this is yes, you can do with a contract template form, but no matter what, whether you're going to start from scratch or you're going to contract template form and go to an attorney, look for somebody that has worked, hopefully as an entrepreneur, going to be very few and far between. So look for someone that has actively worked with folks in your industry and hopefully has a true understanding of your industry as well as proper intellectual property knowledge, because No matter what you do for a business, you have a brand to protect and contracts. And depending on what your products and services are, all of that intellectual property needs to be contemplated in that drafting and in their advisement of your business. That's so good. That's actually um, my personal business counsel, like legal business counsel. My lawyer is an entrepreneur who has experience a lot in running your own business, but also as a lawyer. And then he's recommended me and worked with somebody who is specifically has also been an entrepreneur and she's an IP lawyer specifically. So I, I have, I could not agree with that more because the number of times I'm on a multidisciplinary meeting with my CPA and my general business counsel and my IP lawyer about like things that we're doing, they all bring something different to the table that really helps Mm -hmm. cover me and my businesses legally. So amen to that. (laughs) That's so good. Does Instagram scare the heck out of you? Feeling like you're always struggling to save time on the good old gram while also creating flawless branded professional content for it? We feel you. We have made a special little something just for you. We created a PDF with our top five apps we use in conjunction with Instagram to create smooth, professional content while saving us time and energy. This is a list compiled after years of using Instagram and searching for all the secret pro tools to make our jobs easier. If you've ever wondered, how the heck did she do this? Or how did she make that? It's probably answered by one of these apps. There are little secret sauce to spicing up your Instagram. We use these apps daily and they've absolutely changed the game for us. So if you're ready to uplevel your Instagram and create pro content with just a few clicks, we got you. Head on over to www.theheartuniversity.com apps and let's uplevel that Instagame. That's A-P-P-S, y'all. 
Hey, Heart Fam, we had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you get paid, aka my favorite part, HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. Well, that actually, it leads up perfectly to the next question, which is the concept of protecting your intellectual property. I know, Rachel, you just touched on that. But what exactly is copyrighted? And then what do you trademark? Um, And then to back up a bit, could you even talk to us in general about intellectual, like what is intellectual property? Yeah, so intellectual property or IP is the intangibles that you have in your business. Um, We're talking like business name, logos, branding graphics. um, And I'm really focusing and I focus my practice more on copyrights and trademarks. I don't really work a lot with patents. So patents are going to be talking more like inventions, etc. Within the intellectual property realm, like I've kind of touched on, you're looking to protect either your brands and or your intellectual property. It's this intangible property. It could be trade secrets. It could be um, your marketing assets. It could be the content. Like when I go to teach and I have developed a technique for a certain business strategy, that's my intellectual property that I've created. It's intangible, obviously, because you can't see it unless it manifests in text or video or something, but it, it does have protection. But let's kind of like copyrights and trademarks get confused. And by the way, if you're sitting here going, oh my God, I know nothing about IP. Guess what? Majority of lawyers don't know anything about IP. It's not required um, to take in law schools. At least it wasn't when I did. I won't date myself. Um, but I do a lot of IP work for attorneys and help them protect their law firm, or like you have a general business counsel, then IP attorney, because it is a very nuanced area of law. Copyrights protect things such as all like your marketing assets. It can be also like the book. If you're an author, if you're a podcaster, if you're an artist, it's the music you put out podcasters, the episodes you put out, it, it runs the gamut from visual, um, of all those different types of formats. Um, I think I mentioned photographs as well. And that also can even include your logo. So your logo can have copyright protections because it is a, um, fixed design. You can see it. Trademarks to differentiate trademarks don't inherently protect the actual artwork, that actual work. What is actually protecting is the connection of that 
artwork to a specific product or service. For example, when I say just do it or the Nike swoosh, what do you automatically think of? Athletic shoes. That is because I'm not under a trademark. That's not protecting the swoosh or the words just do it. It's protecting somebody else from take think counterfeit, taking that swoosh and putting on a non-Nike produced product. It's to help protect your brand, keep other people from benefiting from your brand or imparting negative reputation on your brand because there's consumer confusion. Trademarks, I, I mean, we could do an entire thing. I am like getting riled up because <laughs> trademarks are so important. And I see so many entrepreneurs, I mean, copyright is too. And actually, yeah, copyright is extremely important. But I feel like when it comes to brand protection, when you guys have spent all this time, energy, and you, you, then all of a sudden you have someone that comes along with a similar, let's, let's take a business name, for example. Um, and someone else comes along with a similar business name offering similar products or services, then all of a sudden your consumers are getting confused and they're getting a crappy product in the mail and you're getting the negative reviews. That's because you could stop that. If you had, if you took the steps to register your trademark, you could stop that mm -hmm. from someone having a similar name and writing on either your marketing or imparting this negative reputation. And I see this a lot that entrepreneurs guys, and I'm not shaming you when I say this, but they get so overwhelmed because it is such a nuanced area of law. They don't know what they don't know. So they're like, well, I just won't worry about the trademark. And then all these negative things I just mentioned happen to them. And then they're like, they're stuck and having to spend money to unravel it. And so I really strongly encourage that trademark should be one of the very first things. Once you get your feet under you as an entrepreneur and you're, you're putting your product or service out into the marketplace, that is really important in this day of technology where I can Google the Hart University, right? And I could get 500 results for that. You want to be the only one that's brought up. You don't want consumers confused. It's not like 20, 30 years ago when everything was fairly disjointed because the internet wasn't connecting people at the touch of a button. So yeah, I went off a little tangent on the trademark stuff, but trademarks, just a recap on that. Copyright protects the actual assets, the intellectual property assets, and trademarks protect it as what's called a source indicator. So now you can throw that around at a networking event. Well, my <laughs> trademarks source indicator, you know, because it's indicating where that source of products or services is coming from. And that can be your name, it, your business name. It can be a logo. It can be a slogan. It can be a, um, yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> just I want to encourage anyone who is not a lawyer like myself, who is an entrepreneur listening to this episode and maybe feeling like, oh my gosh, like I know nothing. I have no idea what's going on. Like you are not alone. And mm -hmm. my biggest encouragement, which Rachel, I'm sure you agree with, is to get somebody who does know what they're doing because it's so simple when you just connect with an IP lawyer or, you know, somebody who can advise you and get you to a, mm -hmm. a lawyer or, you know, an IP attorney or whatever, those people are going to actually help you get from point A to point B. You don't need to try to be figuring out all of this on your own, especially if it overwhelms you. Just bring somebody in who can help you get there. Lawyers, at least in my experience, if you search for the right one, they can mm -hmm. be one of the biggest assets in your entire business, but just make sure you're actually working with somebody that respects you, that you respect, who understands what you're like, what you're wanting to do in your business model. But legal 
protection and a legal team as an entrepreneur is so important. And it's really not that complicated. The most complicated part is just getting the right person on your team. And once you have Mm -hmm. them, like Mm -hmm. it is so smooth sailing because they're covering your butt for you. And one of the things I recommend with that, when you're looking, I mean, shameless plug, I work nationally, so I'm more than happy to help. (laughs) Or or I can help you find someone locally, even though I can't do it because it's federal work. I'm more than happy to help find you someone locally. Um, One of the things that the approach that we take, and I think this is because myself and my team, we are all entrepreneurs. And um, so we understand what you guys are going through. But I... I'm not an order taker. I mean, I'm trust me, I'm more than happy to do what you ask all day long, but I'm also, and I'm also an MBA. So when you come to me, we're going to go through a whole business audit. So you maybe come to me with an employment issue, but I'm still going to run through asking you, okay, what are your contracts like? Are you a registered business? We're going to do checks on you. We're going to make sure that you're on the up and up. We're going to check to see if you have federal trademarks. And the reason for that is because I feel like in order to adequately provide legal advisement that is beneficial. You know, at the beginning of this, I talked about every action I take in business, I want to have multiple positive returns on that. And so if I'm going to advise you on whether or not to copyright something or trademark something, well, I also want to know what your business plan is because I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, go spend X thousand dollars on trademark. I'll do it for you. But if you plan on rebranding in a year, like what, there may not be a benefit to that. And so I really recommend that you find someone like you're talking about respect, but also can have this broader view to really look at your business as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, And that because all the pieces do fit together and they can conflict or you can end up spending money in, and which leads me to kind of like my bat, my last big on the soapbox. Don't blindly hand your stuff off to an attorney and be removed from the situation. I mean, I have clients who don't want to sit and chit chat with me. I have other ones. I'm more than happy to do that all day long, but I need you And I recommend you guys are the CEOs of your business. This is your brand. This is what you're pouring all your resources into. You need to be in tune with what's going on. And that's kind of like with the contract templates, going through evaluating and listening to podcasts like this, you're garnering the knowledge you need to also be empowered to make decisions Mm -hmm. and not just blindly follow attorneys for multiple reasons. One, I'm not the CEO of your business. I can ask the questions all day long, but you're the one that has the gut on what you want to do. There are also good and bad attorneys, just as that, you know, is in any industry, there's good and bad. And so if you're not equipped to to kind of be the checks to make sure they're doing it right, not saying to go out and learn everything because that kind of defeats the purpose. But if you don't know enough to be knowledgeable, you're not going to be able to make the right decisions. And I love that my clients blindly trust me. But even when they blindly trust me, I still ask questions because it's mm-hmm. their baby at the end of the day. And you need to be confident and knowledgeable in your, in your decisions, because who's the one that has to deal with it in the end, you, which can directly impact your financial bottom line in your life. Yes. Amen. That's we so, so fully agree with that. Yeah. That's <laughs> don't cut and run. Always have a hand over your business. I think yeah. that's kind of an encouragement, just like amening that Rachel fine. My encouragement is something that I've found really helpful in areas of my business where I've brought somebody on in an area where I don't understand something, for example, my bookkeeper or, you know, my legal team, I always search for people who not only everything of what you just said, Rachel, of like are able to see the 
broad overview of my business and really advise me long term and ask other questions and dig deeper, but also explain what I don't understand. And the people Mm -hmm. who are not just going to talk over my head all day, because I have been in consultations with lawyers where they literally do that and then speak down to me or whatever. And I just walk away feeling like absolute garbage and I know nothing about my business and Mm -hmm. why am I even doing this? And I so firmly think that you should walk away from those situations. Get with lawyers or, or CPAs or just experts who are going to allow you to have that insight and input into your business and are willing and eager to also teach you along the way. And Mm -hmm. you can ask questions and be like, okay, I don't understand what a trademark is. Can you explain that to me? And they're happy and willing to like explain it simply so that you can actually understand. And so you learn as you go. So Mm -hmm. just agreement of always keep, you know, the CEO position in your business. Don't just toss and run. Um, you know, keep a hand on your legal side, your, your financial side, but also, you know, don't be afraid to bring somebody on who can explain it to you as you work through it together, because you may not know everything. I I definitely don't. So just some thoughts of having people on your team who can also help you learn as you go. And I encourage to don't get frustrated with the process. I am seeing a big shift in the legal industry, especially after COVID. Hallelujah. These law firms are going virtual. I've been doing this for years and like, I'm finally starting to see it, but the legal industry is so old, but we're seeing a lot of young, newer attorneys that understand what it means to be an entrepreneur. And so don't get frustrated. Look for someone in because, you know, I've had people who comment on my Instagram because you'll see me. I have my nose ring and my ripped jeans because that I work with creatives. They don't want me to <laughs> and whatever. I mean, I wear that to court because I have to. But I've had people comment. I had somebody comment on one of my ads. It was like, hey, you. And the guy was like, well, I would never hire an attorney that says, hey, you. And in my mind, I'm thinking I would never hire you as a client because we wouldn't work well together. We would do each other a disservice. And whereas I have people that, I mean, I have clients that text me funny memes and stuff that we had, you know, that reference what we had joked about in our meetings together. And that's the kind of client I want. And so find someone that has a personality Mm -hmm. and that really jives with you because the goal is, like you said, don't just cut and run, but legal stuff, especially contracts circling back around to that is that it's a living, breathing document. As your business grows, you're going to change. Your success is going to change. And as you start making more money, your liability grows. And so your contracts need to evolve and grow with you as well. And that's why it's really important to have a good relationship with a good attorney because you're going to be with them for a while, hopefully. I mean, it's one of the most important relationships as an entrepreneur is going to be with your legal services people. Well, not even just legal, professional services, your CPA and maybe a financial advisor as well. But you want long term. And this is a story I wanted to share earlier with contracts was that it's not one and done. You need to make sure that you review it. And you also want to make sure you're not just drafting it yourself because you're in this mindset of, oh my gosh, you know, great. You ladies have convinced me I need an attorney, but I can't afford it. I have a really classic story that I, this is just one of many that I see. I have a client. He's still my client now. So it shows you the ending was good. But in January of a year came and was like, and had DIY'd his own contract and was like, will you draft me a whole new contract? Because I, um, I'm in services industry and I'm going to use it hundreds of times a month. And we just need a good one. And I quoted like two hours worth of work. So that's about what it was going to take. And he goes, no, 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 I can't afford that. I'll stick with my do-it-yourself contract that he had cobbled together from the internet. 
Well, fast forward eight months, he has an issue because you never have an issue. So you have an issue <laughs> and a customer of his has a claim against him. And in the process of doing the DIY contract, because he's not an attorney, no matter how much he Googled, he left out some very key things that were very damaging and worked against him as the business owner. One of them was that he didn't have what's called an attorney's fees provision. In the United States, there's this idea because you see on TV, if you win a court case, you automatically get your attorney's fees. Well, that's not the case. There's only two ways. Well, generally, there's only two ways that you can be awarded attorney's fees. One is either written by the law, which is very few and far between in standard breach of contract cases, or it's in the contract. So if it's not in the contract, even if you win, you get zero. So you've already paid out to your attorney. In this situation, instead of paying $800 for the contract, he ended up paying $8,000 to get it all taken care of. Because remember, his client is the one or his customer is the one that had the issue against him. You can't just walk away once someone has already filed a lawsuit against you. If you do, you're by default liable and have to pay them. So $800 versus $8,000 to fight it, we won. And guess what he still ended up paying in the end? The $800 to fix his contract. So it just don't DIY and make sure that you're continually updating it as you go because your business is going to change. Laws change. It's not a one and done. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for okay. sharing that. That's like such a good example of why you need to do this stuff upfront and not wait until issues and things hit the fan. Um, so that's mm. so good. Okay. The next question that came up in our group that people wanted answered is the question of how to legally set up your business name and how to approach legally changing your business name. Like for example, if you get married and you want to change your business name because your, your name changed, um, how, what do you recommend on all of that? I love this because this takes us kind of back to trademarks. One of the downfalls that I see of many entrepreneurs and even just general business attorneys that don't have IP knowledge is they just pick a business name because they're excited about it, but they don't do the proper researching to see, is it already actively being used? Is it registered federally? Is it re trademark federal? Is it registered state trademark? There's also state trademarks as well. And in many people will just use a name, get into business, and all of a sudden, either they're having to rebrand or they're having to pay out monies to someone who has a registered trademark. Um, and there's a lot of lost time, money, and energy simply because you didn't do the proper searching. So that's the first step before you even file for anything. You need to identify, okay, this is the name that I want. And this is the product and service that it's going to be connected to. Remember, we talked about source indicator and we want to do the searches not only in our state through our like state corporations commission or business entity searches, but that's not enough because state systems don't talk to each other. So I could be um, the Hart University in Florida and there's a Hart University in California, but neither of us have ever federally registered it and our search engine optimization sucks. <laughs> so we may not know about each other. And because then one of you decides to go to federally register later on, depending on who came first, one of you may end up having to rebrand or pay monies out or both. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of really disappointing because there's this idea that if I go and search for like an LLC name in my state and it's not in there, I'm good to go. That's not enough. You got to do the state level search. You got to also go up to the federal trademark um, system search. And I also recommend just poking around the web as well, because some people never have registered the business. Some people have never registered their trademark, but that doesn't mean that they don't have legal rights through just using it 
in commerce. And so this is kind of like my big push to everyone. These are the steps you need to take before you fall in love with a name and do these searches. And actually attorneys can do these for you. There are trademark search companies out there that will um, look for you because well, I don't know how far deep we want to go into like trademark researching. Maybe we'll have to do another episode about it. Um, it doesn't have to be identical. It could be a similar name. And we kind of touched on that earlier. But if it's a similar name for the same product or service, that could be infringing. And so you got to have the right analysis to actually pick a business name. It is not as simple as picking one because you like it and you fell in love with it. Now, the reason I started with that in this answer is because obviously, if you're going to go set up your business, whether you decide to become a limited liability company or you decide to become a corporation, which because I don't really recommend any other structures, there is also sole proprietor. And I'm not a big fan of that because there's no liability protection with that formation. Mm -hmm. But when you go to file for your limited liability company or LLC, and your corporation, you got to have a business name. Well, we want to make sure that business name is not infringing, right? We want to make sure we're going to be able to protect our brand. So we'll have done all those searches. And then you can go state level and pick, am I going to be an LLC or am I going to be a corporation? I find that the majority of small business entrepreneurs in the online space and that may have smaller, um, teams, whether it's in-person, full-time employees, or online virtual, really uh, the bulk of the people I talk to, don't take this as just like, oh, Rachel said it on the podcast, I'm going to do this. You need to have it evaluated. But the bulk of the people that I work with, I see really only need to be an LLC. And that's done at the state level. You've picked your name, you've done the searches. And I think it needs to be done as soon as possible. And actually, while we're talking, you know, I talked about that free business audit that we use. The very first one is choosing business name. The very second one on that list is choosing a business formation. And that's what we're talking about here. Because when you don't take the steps to register with your, your business as an LLC or a corporation, you are personally liable for every action that you take in your business. Think of it like a bucket. You know, if you're a sole proprietor, I haven't taken any steps to register anything. I'm just merely in business. I threw up a <laughs> really awful MySpace page or a Facebook page <laughs> and or a website and I'm in business. You're by default what's called a sole proprietor. That means take that visual bucket. You've put all your personal assets and business assets in one bucket. A client with an issue can come along and touch all of that. Pick that bucket right up and take off with it. Now shift your mind to LLCs and corporations. All of a sudden we have two buckets because you're creating a separate entity from yourself when you file for an LLC or a corporation. So now you have a personal asset bucket on one side and then all your business assets go into another bucket, which means that generally speaking, the, if they're a customer or a client has a problem, they can only grab your business bucket and you're still holding on tight to your personal asset bucket. And so that's why I hardly ever recommend being a sole proprietor, whether you file a doing business as, because it's connected to you personally, if you haven't set up a entity like we've talked about, there's just so much danger in it. And I want to have, um, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier. I, I always talk about a triad. Oh yeah, I did of liability. And one of them's contracts. One of them is insurance, but the other piece is what we're talking about here. The business entity formation, please choose an LLC or a corporation as quick as you can. I understand money is tight sometimes, but for liability protection it's one of the key things that you can do. So good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, to kind of like follow up with that, 
because I could not agree more. If somebody has set up an LLC, let's say I set up an LLC under Evelyn Rupp. It's Evelyn Grace because I knew I didn't want to change it when I get married. But if I set it up under like Evelyn Rupp LLC or something like that, and then I get married and I want to change it to a different name, (laughs) how would somebody go about that? Would they file for a name change? Would they start a new LLC? Nope. You can just amend it. Most states, um, just, you just file an amendment to the name. Um, you would have to check the specific state. I don't know all of them, all the states that we work in. It's readily easy to do that. Yeah. You can, you can, yep. You can easily do that. Or you can file what's called a doing business as certificate, um, or fictitious name or assumed name. Every state calls it something different. But for example, I have one main LLC. It's called the Branky Group LLC. Well, you guys don't know about it because I deviate or doing business as all of my brands. So I have one LLC bucket, and but I have multiple DBAs for all my brands. So they're all connected to that one LLC, but they're using different names um, on the front we're facing in marketing. So like I have the Law Talk, I have Rachel Branke, I have Fit Legally, but they're all technically sitting in that one LLC. So if any time I need to add on another one, I just file another DBA. Or if I want to change the name of one of those, I just either update that DBA depending on the state or I terminate that DBA and just um, file another one. But that LLC is still intact. So that's another way you can do about it if you plan on having different businesses, different brands, um, or looking at name change down the line. Awesome. Wow. Rachel, this is so helpful. Like just I'm learning so much, but I know our (laughs) listeners are getting so much out of this. Okay. One big overarching question that as we're kind of closing, well, words, as we're closing (laughs) up here, what is the biggest lesson you have learned in business? Which I know is like a a big question. (laughs) I think the biggest lesson that I have learned is you really have to stop and open your eyes and ears to what those that are more successful than you have done or are doing. Because when I first started out, again, it was during the time where we didn't have a lot of freemium information, but I was so bullheaded as a type A entrepreneur. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to figure it out on my own. And I regret now. I mean, I've had a very good success and trajectory, but I just think, what if I had just shut myself up for a minute and looked to those that I looked up to or what I wanted to do and research and learn from them I'd be on a quicker trajectory. Who knows where I'd be by now? And so that kind of is my biggest lesson. And I remind myself that all the time. Sometimes I'll just make an off-the-cuff decision and I'll have to rail, you know, rein myself in and go, okay, let's look for someone who's even more advanced than you in this situation. What are they doing? What can you learn from that? Mm-hmm. And then I decide if I want to apply what they're doing or not. I don't blindly apply it, but at least if I stop and look, I might glean something that I wouldn't have otherwise thought about. And it could make it you know, my trajectory that much better in business. That's so good. So good. <laughs> always learning, always experimenting, always seeking out growth. Fucking amen. Um, <laughs> Rachel, for everyone who has fallen in love with you and your expertise or needs help or whatever, where can people find you and connect with you, your offers, your services, everything? Yes. Well, first, I apologize if I overwhelmed or freaked anyone out, but I do give encouragement that you guys are worlds ahead. A lot of people, because these ladies just brought a lot of the top questions of what I'm really trying to hammer home for years. So this is goldmine. So make sure you go back and re-listen. 
But if you do have additional questions, comments, feedback, high fives, you can reach out to me at rachelbrinke.com. I'm the only Rachel Brinke in the world. So you can Google me. I'm not hard to find. And all the social medias are also Rachel Brinke. Uh, from rachelbrinke.com, it also will branch you out into my podcast and very specific industry niche blogs and communities as well that I also maintain and run and pour into. So if one of those fits for you, feel free to jump right in. And yeah, I'm just an open book. I'm willing to share all my experience about entrepreneurship. So please don't be like, think, think, oh, that's a stupid question. Ask it because what was the biggest lesson I just learned? I wish I had asked more. I wish I had learned more. So do it. I'm here. I'm willing to help. Oh, oh, Rachel, so you are incredible. Thank you so much. And I know you spewed out a lot. And if you are feeling overwhelmed, if you're listening to this, I like she said, go back and listen to it because it, while it might be overwhelming, especially if you're listening to it for the first time, what Rachel just shared with us is so valuable and so necessary, mm-hmm. especially if you're just beginning. Um, and I know it can mm-hmm. seem overwhelming, but it, it really doesn't have to be. So get help, get people in your corner like Rachel. And Rachel, just thank you so much for being here. We are so excited to talk to you. And it was amazing. I can't wait for this episode to air. Awesome. Thanks, ladies. <laughs>